Hello and welcome to The Future is Spoken, produced by the Digital Assistant Academy. This show accompanies the Digital Assistant Academy's course entitled Voice Interaction Design. The Future is Spoken has a special episode for listeners. It is with Ananya Sharan, who led the team to build a voice assistant at Pandora. She takes us through the collaborative process and how Pandora subscribers contributed to the process of developing a voice assistant. This is a fascinating episode that gives listeners an inside look into one of the biggest and most successful voice tech projects. Enjoy! Hello, Ananya. Welcome to The Future is Spoken. Hi, Sheila. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Great. It's our pleasure. I know that you're a search and voice expert and you're currently working with Pandora. Can you tell us about yourself and your background, please? Sure. So I am currently at Pandora and I am the PM for voice mode, which is Pandora's native voice assistant within the app that lets you discover and listen to music in a frictionless, effort-free way. And uh, prior to Pandora, I have been a product manager for several years, mainly focused on search and discovery experiences. And that's my area of interest. Uh, Prior to being a product manager, I was a software engineer. I did that for a few years and then went to business school to become a banker, but realized that uh, technology and product management was where my heart lay. So that's what I've been doing for the past several years. And off late, just really happy to be working on this cool new innovation called voice mode and brought it to market. And now I'm watching it grow and be used by more and more people and setting the vision and roadmap for it. That's great. Very exciting. And as we mentioned before we began our interview, Ananya, Uh, There'll be a lot of people outside the U.S. listening to this podcast. So Mm -hmm. for that market segment that doesn't have Pandora or might not even be familiar with it, could you tell us what Pandora is? Pandora is uh, U.S.'s largest audio streaming platform. It came onto the market as internet radio, one of the first ones out there. And what Pandora does really well is personalized recommendations. It's known for its music genome project, which is uh, essentially annotating every track in our catalog. Music experts listen to it and characterize it and give it attributes on multiple dimensions. And that's what our data science leverages to understand what to play next, what music to recommend you, and understand your likes and dislikes. So that's what Pandora is known for, uh, for delivering personalized audio content tuned to your every moment in life. Well, that that sounds really, really great, Ananya. I mean, I I can't really compare it to Spotify because I, I do live in Canada and I use Spotify. I get recommendations from Spotify and sometimes they're they're spot on and uh, some, sometimes they're way out in left field. And I think, well, why why are they suggesting that? But um, And I'm curious too, does Pandora recommend or does it carry podcasts as well? Yes, Pandora has music and podcasts. So a great, great source for all personalized audio recommendations, whether it's spoken word or music. Oh, great. 
Now, you worked on a really exciting project in the last few years, and it's Pandora's Voice Mode, and that's mm-hmm. what we're, we're going to talk about today. Tell us about that. Why, why did Pandora decide that it was time to have voice mode, or was it an employee suggestion? What, where did the initiative come from before we jump into how you worked on it and how the project went? So um, it was a result of internal employee ideas as well as what the market was telling us. So smart speaker adoption has seen tremendous growth in the last few years in the U.S. and around the world. And uh, millions of people were already listening to Pandora on these connected speakers. So on Google Home and Alexa, people hooked up their Pandora accounts and were talking to their smart speakers to listen to music. Music streaming is one of the top use cases of smart speakers and other connected devices that are voice controlled. So um, we, we recognize the opportunity, but we also recognize that on these connected devices uh, and smart speakers, Pandora cannot really leverage its wealth of data science and knowledge about the, the listener's personal taste to deliver personalized music that is tailored to the unique tastes of each listener. So that is something that we were limited in doing while delivering a voice-enabled experience on smart devices. So we really wanted to build something in-house and showcase our data science, our deep knowledge about the listener, and all of the intelligence we have in our recommendation ensembles to bring that natural conversational way of consuming music and podcasts and put it right on your phone. So we really were thinking with our customer in mind and what they were already doing um, in this space, but what we could do for them in a better and differentiated way. And that was the motivation behind bringing voice mode to market. Mm, That's pretty exciting. It's always great when something is employee-driven as well. I always like that. Yeah. Now, just so listeners are clear, is it correct that you couldn't, for example, use your Google or Amazon or Apple voice assistant within your home and say, oh, Pandora, play me uh, Beethoven's Fifth? Could you still do that before you had voice mode? You could. So you would have to say, hey, Google, play me Beethoven's Fifth on Pandora. Uh, Sometimes you had to specify. Sometimes if you already set it up as your default music provider, you didn't have to specify. However, it was Google deciding what to play from our catalog. So if you're looking for something really specific, a particular song or an album, it's more likely to get that right. Everyone will get that right because it means one particular thing you want to listen to. But voice is suited for more ambiguous situations where you don't know exactly what you want. You're in a certain mood or you want to like start doing something and you need it for that hands-free control. And you say, okay, just play me something for cooking or play me something for driving. And that's where these connected devices couldn't deliver the personalized recommendation of what to play. But on the phone, when you say, hey, Pandora, play me something for cooking, we know what you like to listen to. We know that you like Italian cooking radio or Latino Spanish, you know, Latino cooking music. So we'd play something like that instead of just picking uh, a random playlist or a station that 
you may or may not like. Okay, I understand. And I've noticed a, a few times you have referred to phones. So Pandora's voice mode works specifically with phone. Yes, it is. Uh, it is a mobile only feature right now, and it's available on iOS and Android. I understand. So with with one's iPhone or Android phone, one can mm-hmm. communicate directly with Pandora as opposed to the phone's assistant. Correct. Yeah. And you can tap into Pandora directly and ask for a piece of music or a podcast. And as you explained earlier, its algorithm will, you know, provide you with recommended listens. If going to your example, you say, hey, Pandora, play me some music that I can cook by or, you know, Mm -hmm. play me something to relax. I've had a busy day, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you were the leader on this project, the project lead. Is is that correct, mm-hmm. Ananya? Yeah. I am the product manager on it, yes. Okay. Tell us about the project um, as well as your involvement with it. Now, we're at the stage where Pandora has made a decision. They're going to work on voice mode for all Pandora users. What, what happened next? So with any product development lifecycle, there's several stages. And the first phase is figuring out what to build and why to build it, which we'd already done. And the next stage is how to build it. So to build a voice assistant, there's several core components of the technology, one of which is uh, automatic speech recognition. So anything you say, converting the audio to, uh, to a text transcript is the first thing that happens when a conversation is initiated between a user and a voice assistant. So for that piece of the technology, we made a decision to use an outside vendor because there's a lot of companies that specialize in uh, automatic speech recognition and us being an audio streaming provider, we wanted to see what solutions we could source from the market. So we went with uh, an outside vendor for automatic speech recognition and then building kind of the very top layer of the natural language understanding as well. So just to extract the intent from what the user has said, we're using a third party form. But everything that happens after that, the the deep natural language understanding, figuring out what to play um, next based on the user's intent. And this is all engineering, science, UX research, design. Like I, as a product manager, advocate for the user's needs and how they might be using the technology and what's important to them in the experience. And my engineering partner will determine, okay, if these are the experiences that, that we want in the product, how do we go about building them so it's fast, it's reliable, it's scalable? And my science partners do all of this intelligence on what, is, what does the user mean when they say, I'm in a happy mood uh, or I feel like chilling? What do they want to listen to? How do we know that they're not asking for a song called chilling? So things like that is what I work with our data scientists for. And then UX research for an innovative project like this is also super important because we're building a lot of things that don't have well-established industry standards or are still in the early phases of adoption. So there's no ground rules of how to build them. 
So we really need to think ahead of what the user might want out of this experience day in and day out, six months down the line, how they see it progressing. So I work very closely with my uh, research team as well to survey actual users, get them to play with a prototype of the product, get their thoughts and feedback on what was going well, what was not going so well. And of course, designers are key to, to defining what the experience looks and feels like within the app, what education uh, looks like, what the onboarding looks like. So all of those things, definitely a team effort. And uh, I'm here to represent the work of many, many people who, who went at it for months and years before we got into the market. So uh, a lot of a lot of smart people thinking about how to solve the problem. And I would have to include our employees as well. Um, before bringing this product out to our actual users, we tested heavily internally as well, made sure all the Pandora employees were whitelisted to test this out and give their feedback. Because that is so, so important to set that benchmark of quality and get that crucial feedback before we feel that we're ready to put it in front of um, real listeners. Mm. Same with a technology like this, you have one chance to get it right. And uh, if the user doesn't have the most delightful experience the first time around, then they're much less likely to come back and be a repeat user and advocate for it. Mm. So, um, so really it's this massive, sorry to interrupt, it's this massive mm -hmm. multifunctional team that you have involved. You've got engineering, you've got science, you've got UX researchers mm -hmm. who I would imagine are liaisoning directly with Pandora with users. users. That's right. And then you, you're managing this team. So let's step back a little bit and tell us mm -hmm. From a personal point of view, what was it like managing such a big project? And, you know, especially in light of the fact that, as, as you mentioned earlier, there, there's no industry standard and nothing quite like what you've done before. So it's like you're, you're not just developing something new, you're a pioneer, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it is pretty cool. <laughs> so so um, what was it like for you personally? I mean, you must have had a fair bit of pressure as well as being excited about what you were doing. For sure. Um, when I joined Pandora, I was not uh, very familiar with voice technologies. And uh, so I had to do a lot of learning and coming up to speed myself in the early days where I was trying to learn about the UX implications of having a voice interface within the app. So a lot of um, steep learning curve for me as well. But in terms of working with the team, um, I was managing their efforts, not so much managing them directly. But yes, uh, for an innovative product like this, there's a lot of internal advocacy that has to be done as well because people are not super familiar with it. They might not understand why it's important to build, why it's important to uh, look outside the established norms of how projects are typically delivered and build a case for that internally as well. And I say, I'd say that was one of the challenges with this project is uh, we couldn't be purely timeline driven because it's 
natural language technologies, it's learning models, it's, it's accent recognition. And all of these AI models take time to train. And so uh, it's hard to predict with absolute certainty when, when the product is going to be ready or when, it when it's going to achieve, let's say, 90% accuracy. So, so did you have to do the internal advocacy as well? And did you have, um, for example, communications people to help you with that or team members to help you with the advocacy? Was that your, your responsibility? The internal advocacy was on the team. Like we'd all talk to our teams about it and say why this is cool and why this is like, it, we can't adhere to a stick timeline or to a particular release when we will get this on. So we were obviously working with uh, high-level targets of when we wanted to come to market. But to commit to strict timelines is uh, was hard to do in this project. So that was what a lot of the internal advocacy involved was to get our leaders to bind to this uh, schedule of being milestone-driven instead of being timeline-driven. So defining when when we were ready for the internal beta and what data we would need, how many data points to before we said we were re ready to uh, launch to real users, things like that. So kind of organizing all of that information, presenting real milestones in terms of what performance metrics we wanted to hit, translating those performance metrics to what it meant for the user experience and so like a 90% accuracy sounds very clinical and dry but how that translates to the end user is that if they if they try three times and we get it wrong even once then then it's a terrible experience for them they're not going to come back and use it so connecting the dots for people even within the org of um, what milestones you were tracking, how that would lead to a compelling uh, product when we are finally ready to launch, doing the communications around it. Uh, we were not held by any comms team, so it was just the team working, me and my, my science and engineering partners working on detailed FAQs to explain to everyone how we were going to bring this product to market. Mm. I'm kind of curious to know, it was such a big project with so many people involved and different team mm -hmm. responsibilities. Did you ever feel as though you, you became frustrated or it was overwhelming at times? And if you did, how did you deal with that? That's a great question. Um, I think all PMs face moments of overwhelm and maybe approaching burnout and just feels like, oh, there's so much to do and I don't have a path to do it with. But there is, I, I guess, some foundational training or mindset training that uh, that I have to make sure to to lean on every time I face a situation like this. So to just embrace the unknown, embrace the ambiguity and know that there is a logis logistical series of steps that can be followed to get me to the goal. Fine, I might have to adjust the timeline or I might have to adjust scope, but in the end, it's just a series of steps 
that will get me there. Um, that helps to deal with uh, some of the uh, uncertainty in, in projects. In terms of overwhelm and just having a lot of volume to, of work to get, to get done during the day, I think that's what's fun about working in this company and working for voice is that all of the testing that I did uh, playing around with the product didn't really feel like work. I just felt like I was listening to music or discovering more music or seeing cool things and trying out accents. And I'd get my husband to use it to see how it was responding to his accent. So in a lot of ways, it just didn't feel like work at all. It just felt like I'm here's my hobby that I do in the evenings. So uh, that just kept the momentum going. And whenever I'd, I'd have one new person testing it out in the early stages, it was people in the organization. Uh, Pandora employees that were testing this product out um, and when we did a limited launch in the market some people posted their thoughts uh, and comments about it on Twitter and that's really rewarding to read about how much people were enjoying it what a difference it made to their lives uh, how much they were like enjoying their commute more now that they could interact with Pandora so all of those stories and that feedback is is such a great motivator for for me to just keep going um that's fantastic yeah that would yeah. be that kind of feedback that you didn't even ask for and you're you're getting it brilliant yeah yeah and you mentioned just uh, a few moments ago you said you know to help me with challenges and overwhelm i had some foundational training that i had to lean on mm. what what was that foundational training was that some of your education or was it something else that's education and experience <laughs> okay and just a, a set of tools that are built for myself in my tenure as a product manager is uh, there's always ambiguity to deal with and a PM is there because they're waiting. Everyone else is waiting on the PM to define a path forward and define frameworks and just to get the job done. So I just leaned on that and uh, it's it gets stressful, but knowing that there's always a path to to launch, path to success, the only thing that might be changing is it takes us longer to get there. Uh, that's that's a very grounding feeling. So that stress and and overwhelm ultimately is is temporary. Mm. And you also mentioned a couple of key attributes that that you have. One being accept that you might not know where you're going and be comfortable. Mm -hmm. This next one, the second one, be be comfortable with ambiguity. So mm -hmm. from your perspective, Ananya, it's really important to to have that kind of personality or those kind of traits when you're working on a project like this? Yeah, uh, I think valuable traits for any PM. And that's what we're here for, that to give shape to the ambiguity, to, to set a path and a series of logistical steps to get there, and defining these decision-making frameworks. Um, if the outcome is not clear or unpredictable, it's hard to get people to buy in, to buy in into that, but 
at that stage, you can just get stakeholders to bind into the decision framework and lay the lay it out clearly and say, okay, these are the risks we're anticipating. Here's some of the things we can do to mitigate that risk, and here's the recommended approach. Um, if things go well, this is where we'll be. Uh, if things don't go as planned, here's another alternative solution that gets us there, but you know, with these trade-offs. So just having a plan is the most important and um, getting people to buy in into that plan is is key. Mm. Really important words of wisdom there for any project manager and also any project manager who's working on a similar kind of project that, that, to the voice board right. that you worked on, yeah. So in terms of the development, we, we got as far as the size of the teams and your, your testing, your mm-hmm. research people are testing it with um, users, Pandora users. Let's focus on that a little bit. I bet that would be really interesting to anyone who's working in conversational design or conversational development. Mm-hmm. What kind of feedback did you get when you sent out the first, well, let's say the first prototype? And what what happened with that feedback? I bet that was a very interesting milestone. Yeah, um, we got some very cool learnings all along the way at different stages of product maturity. So in the early days, when uh, we were asking people to try it out for the first time, what was most, I guess, surprising to me was how people, how quickly people are willing to to start pushing the envelope on what this product can do and really test the limits of it so uh, like i said using using smart speakers or voice assistants to to search and play a particular thing is very common and everyone can do that reasonably well you tell it a song or you tell it a song by an artist it'll play exactly what you want so we knew that we had to differentiate with the personalization and that's where Pandora could really leverage its strengths. So we asked people to try out these open-ended queries and stuff like, you know, play something I like or play something for relaxing or play some play something different where where they don't specify exactly what they want. So when people discovered that, they were delighted. They was like, this is great. I This really feels conversational and natural. It really feels like this uh, um, digital assistant that stays in my pocket and knows me really well. But we were really hoping that people will continue to use those uh, ambiguous queries more and uh, find their... Uh, uh, moments of joy in that however they quickly went to like i wanted to be like a dj to me so at a real at a real party when the dj is playing music he plays five tracks and then he asks me about oh what can i play next are you are you still enjoying this um should i change the track list so this is this is very advanced stuff right um usually the voice assistants rely on the user to tell them when to engage so they're not the ones initiating conversations with the user 
and to figure out uh, whether it's a, a good time to interrupt the listening, to ask the user a question. Uh, we don't know yet what the right answer to this is and how we should go about thinking about the constraints of that problem and building a solution for it. What was surprising to me is like people just expected to do so much more <laughs> once they know that uh, it can do the basic stuff well, which is both encouraging because you know they're like pushing it, but also don't want to disappoint the user by telling them, well, uh, this is going to take some thinking and time to build. But yeah, uh, people are trying some next next generation stuff with their voice assistants mm. and they won't expect them to perform at that level. Um, yeah, I've heard that from other people that, that I've interviewed for The Future Has Spoken, that there is this expectation that the technology can and will do more than it, 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 it's um, able to do at the moment. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But in terms of the users who, who were testing mm -hmm. and assisting, did, did Pandora's team con, uh, communicate with them directly? Like with yeah. each user? Yeah. Yes. You uh, gave them do, feedback on it, all their suggestions, yeah? Yes, yes. So um, we had for different, again, different stages for the product maturity, we had different kind of UXR studies plan. Uh, at the time of launch, we really wanted people to uh, give us their feedback on what they thought the onboarding process was like and whether it felt easy and they understood why we were asking for mic permissions on the phone. So the focus was on getting the onboarding experience right and making sure they were satisfied with that. Uh, once we had launched it to a small set of people, we wanted to attract those people over time. So we did diary studies um, in, in that involves each user trying the product for a minimum duration every day and then recording their observations. So then you get a real feel for how it plays into day to day. And that's something we really envision for the voice mode is that it fills in the gap where you have a need of a contextual hand-free environment and you just tell it what you're in the mood for or what activity you're doing and would just play music. So unlocking those moments and understanding those journeys were super important to us, which is why we leaned on these diary studies to give us a deeper insight into how people are actually using it. Um, and you're right, it brought, it brought more of these users' needs to the forefront uh, about people expecting voice assistant to be able to recognize different voices um, and to be able to understand that there's there might be multiple people talking and when to kind of just drop the input versus try to extract something from it. So there's, at technology level too, there is a lot of challenges that we, we really relied on the UXR study to tell us um, because at the end of the day, in the internal employees testing, the team testing, uh, that still leads to usage in very controlled environments and might not give us, give us the right signal, mm -hmm. which is why those diary studies are important. Well, that's a good point that you just made. If you've got one Pandora account and two users, so, you know, husband and wife or yeah. wife and wife, whatever, um, 
could they, could Pandora, can it differentiate between the voices on that one account? Not at the moment. Okay. Um, something we're looking to for sure, but also because Pandora is, le is leveraging personalization and typically it's, it's one account per person. So um, for sure, my husband and I have different music tastes and sometimes I play music for my uh, toddler. So all of those are very different uh, listening patterns. And if I use my, my account to do all of those things, then the personalization signals get, get a little bit mixed up. So there's definitely uh, a use case to be fulfilled here and that it should recognize multiple voices, but also how can we recognize voices and serve two individuals on the same account is, is a hard problem to solve because the product is designed to have only one account for one user. Mm. And you, for situations, have, yeah, yeah, there's family plans and stuff that you can do, but that, that would still involve going on a completely different device. I see. Well, mm -hmm. you know, your example, you have your, your toddler. Um, can you have a playlist, something similar to a playlist for your toddler? And could you speak to a, a Pandora? And Definitely. Say, yeah. You know, play, play my toddler's playlist, please. Absolutely. And this is something that we had anticipated and built for right from the beginning. Uh, so you can, while you're listening to the song, you're in the moment, you can just say, add this to my playlist uh, and specify the name of the playlist. We just launched a, a feature where if you don't specify what playlist you wanted to add it to, we will engage in conversation and say, okay, I, you know, tell me the name of the playlist or would you like me to create one? So yes, on the fly, using your voice, you can just tell it to play a particular thing. You can add songs to your playlist your collection which means you essentially you you um subscribe to that song or that podcast so all of these in moment controls are also uh possible using the voice mode mm, sounds really cool and i'd like to ask you uh you mentioned your husband's accent and shambler and i have talked about accents in the past you know mm -hmm. everyone everyone has their own accent but of course, if you've moved around a lot or you're an immigrant to the US and you have, you know, an Asian, a European accent, how, how is Pandora able to respond to those accents? Uh, the, the accents, as I would say, is an industry-wide challenge. Um, how these early learning models were trained was using American accents because it was developed here. But now that we are getting more uh, global usage from these voice technologies, the AIs are also learning how to recognize Indian Chinese accents. So uh, that's it's it's lagged, but it's I I would say it's caught up. So even from the time that for voice mode first launched and was out to only a small group of people to now where I don't feel that I have to modify Max and that much to be understood. It's made tremendous progress. And the only way it can work is by, by getting more people to use it and training the models using a variety of accents. So uh, I don't think we're there yet 
in terms of understanding all non-American accents and even in American accents like the Southern accents, they tend to be not part of the training data set. So voice assistants have some trouble recognizing those as well. So it it will catch up. It will uh, take more diverse usage of these voice assistants, but we will get there. Mm. Uh, and uh, children's voices is another one. And there is, you know, some privacy and ethical concerns with using children's voices to train learning models. However, children tend to be some of the most uh, engaged users of voice technologies. My four-year-old uses it all the time. And so, again, <laughs> it's getting better. Um, ultimately, we're serving the needs for our customers and what they want from the voice assistant. So just developing all of these technologies with very transparent and clear privacy um, rules that that the user is familiar with and knows what is being shared that that's super important so uh yeah accents um are still catching up but i myself seen tremendous improvement um another challenge is for the music streaming domain the pronunciations and the names are so tricky sometimes and uh, at least for me i think i am behind the behind the millennial or generation z curve so i am not the first to discover new music and artists a lot of times and i will read about an artist and i have no idea how to pronounce their name mm. so even if i if i have the right accent I just might not get that name right. And the technology has to be smart enough to understand that I am saying XXS, X Tentacion or triple X Tentacion. That was an artist um, a couple of years ago that was really high on the popularity charts, but nobody knew how to get their name right in, <laughs> in, in, yeah. in our company, at least. So that's an added challenge with, uh, with music and uh, music related queries but again with with the usage uh with the diversity we'll be able to get our our learning models to catch mm. up so so just as a a short comment there there might be a lesson for any aspiring bands or musicians if you're going to pick a name don't don't have one that's difficult to pronounce eh? or or you know pick a name that's difficult to pronounce be you know be be unique have your own voice but yeah i would say then it's technology's job to understand uh how your name is going to be said another cool one i remember is uh, when uh, lil nas came out with old town road and i think it first went viral as a meme and People didn't know what the song was called. So it was just called, there was a lyric that was really popular. It was called, I got horses in the back. And I think that's the line that went viral. Mm -hmm. And again, for a voice assistant, it's important to be able to recognize that people are asking for a lyric, not a song name. Oh, so yeah. So you have lyric yeah. search as well. I have, I blank out at song names all the time. So I just go, 
oh, play me that song that goes, I got horses in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll recognize a song and play it for you. So, so yeah, just like unlocking these, these use cases and moments that are so suited for voice discovery and doing a really amazing job for the user in terms of being fast, recognizing them, playing the right thing. These are the foundational things that any voice technology has to get right for wow. music. Yeah, really good points there, uh, Ananya. Thank you Gladly. for those. Yeah, yeah. I hope that it helps some of our listeners. I'm sure them. they will. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm curious to know. Um, I understand that the the voice mode was launched in the the first quarter of 2019, and we're into the last mm-hmm. quarter of 2020. So, mm-hmm. what has happened uh, in the time that's passed since the launch? Is it being improved? How are you capturing feedback? What's happening with Pandora voice mode? Yeah. So when we launched in, uh, in Q1 2019, it was actually a limited launch. So it, it went out to a very small group of users. And the plan there was to launch and learn. So as I mentioned, I we'd already got a, a, a really set of, deep learnings, rich data set from the internal usage and from our UXR studies. But real world, real world usage is, is exactly that. And there's no substitute for it. So when we launched, we had a plan to launch to a small group of users first, start getting some real queries and align our benchmarks to what we were seeing in production. So when in after this 2% launch that we did back in uh, January, we saw an immediate hit to our accuracy rates. So we, we didn't get as many diverse accents when we were testing internally. And that was not the case anymore when it went out to real users. So we dipped a little bit in accuracy. We saw some uh, app issues with, with iOS client sometimes crashing, sometimes failing. So a lot of these learning we only got when we launched in Q1 2019. And there was polishes to be put on the product. There were irons to be wrinkled out before we could introduce a bigger set of users to it. So from January to July, we were just adding more groups of new users as we were learning and refining more and more and really be confident in our quality benchmarks. And that's that's why you need a big set of users using it as well. So that the full launch took about six to seven months um, because you wanted to be cautious in the and 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 launch with real confidence. And after we launched, then then it was like, okay, we we've solved the biggest use cases of search and play. We have these uh, contextual, ambiguous queries that we can solve really well by playing personalized music. What else do we have to get right so we continue that repeat use trend? And one of those things was our our error handling and graceful failures. Uh, that's super important. Um, again, it was a uh, 
a conscious choice and a product direction to go deep into music and not so broad on personal voice assistant in the voice assistant space because people use their phones for a lot of stuff like asking for news and what's the weather and what's um what's the directions to the nearest starbucks but all of those things are being solved really well by siri or a google assistant and that's not something that pandora has to excel at however it is still important to manage the user's expectation and maintain that trust and confidence with them so even if we don't have a good answer to what's the weather there is a way to just recognize that intent and come back with a response to say oh i i i can't get the weather for you but um here's some here's a summer hits playlist uh, or if if the connection if the connectivity was poor and the voice mode was just taking a really long time to respond to the user tell the user that we're waiting to make a connection or try their queries in after 5 seconds or so mm. so that again we maintain that trust and get the user to come back and try us again another really important one is when when to ask for conversation a uh, confirmation and uh, that's a limitation with having a voice only interface like if you were to do a search on google and you got the spelling wrong google would ask you did you mean this and that's it's not possible to do that in a voice interface so knowing when to when to come back and say oh we couldn't find that try again versus saying i think you were looking for such and such would you like me to go ahead and play that so just becoming really good at understanding even these non music intents or understanding modes of failure and doing more education and conversation around that also really like looking at why we were failing when we were and instead of instead of like going broad and trying to build new features really focusing in on solving these really deep pain points um mm-hmm. so post launch the focus was on on enriching the experience around graceful fa- failures and error handling and we've we've also invested a lot of time into thinking about what the future of of uh, voice mode looks like and conversations in general are really interesting because i there's in situations where users don't play for at least a minute or two we know that they were not happy with the result or or they were happy with the result but they were in the mood for something else so there's so many other signals that uh we are not capturing through voice and it is hard to understand the user's intent so and like using the all of the contextual signals on the phone available to us and interpreting the user's intent and then understanding that they might be frustrated or they're happy or they're looking for something else and playing something according to that this is again a hard problem to solve and involves research and hypothesis and a lot of testing 
which is what i'm focusing on right now mm. um also trying to think of what cool features possibly exist only on only on voice or what these use cases are that are not suited to a type and swipe interface and one of those things is you you want to listen to a certain type of music but you don't know exactly what you don't know exactly what you want so you say things like oh i want 90s rock songs with female vocals which is a specific ask um and i i can do that on my phone right now as a premium user of pandora i can say the char- characteristics of the type of music i want to listen to but not really specify a playlist or a station or a song and uh, voice mode will recognize what i want to listen to and generate a playlist for me on the fly so maintaining the balance between innovative cool features suited to voice while really still strengthening the foundational experiences and making it so effortless and so easy to use that that's the first thing people do when they launch pandora instead of you know browsing around or or uh, searching in the search box uh, they just use their voice to get the music playing wow so sounds as though as much work has been done post release as was done yeah. during the development phase that's that's an incredible amount of work for you and your team isn't it yeah it's a lot of resolving, work resolving resolving errors and um yeah errors like disambiguation of queries understanding when to engage in conversation like to what extent we should go outside just play music intense and enable navigation within the app so these are all problems we're thinking about and uh, this is a long term strategy like voice is here to stay and we've we've made the investment uh, we made the commitment to invest in it and there's just so much more potential even outside of the phone in in cars in um in connected devices that we can keep doing more and more to to delight our customers and having a native voice experience is one way but this can grow and expand um so much more in the next few years so the the time to think about the problems and where we want to invest is right now and definitely the the fact that we have this out in the market and we have some real usage and feedback around it helps to strengthen that case of building a long long term voice strategy well, that sounds great and bef- before we we end our interview mm-hmm. i'd like to i'd like to ask you um what what would your keywords of advice be to a product manager working on something similar and you've already shared a lot of words of wisdom and advice for people just through your own experience is there anything else that you would like to say anyone listening who's embarking on a really sure. big exciting <laughs> project like yours um for voice i would say especially focus on real users and real use cases uh and assume that there's just 
multiple ways to ask for the same thing. So what that means is if for a music streaming app that has a voice assistant, volume control seems like a no-brainer, but anticipating the user's need of how they will ask to control the volume is so many. So we have to build for all of those use cases. And the usage and learning from the user has to be organic. You can't force the user to to behave in a certain way or train them to make certain types of commands in a way. It, It happens naturally, but the system has to be robust enough to understand all of that. Another thing I would say is for voices, context is so important. And that really helps uncover these use cases where voice can do so much more than a traditional interface. So think about how the user is using it in their day-to-day life, where they might not already be using a voice technology, but there's potential for them to do so, and how your product might play into those moments. Um, And my third piece of advice would be make sure that the voice experience for your product or brand feels like a part of the whole it has to be it has to be saying the same brand story the same brand values everything around that experience has to be aligned with the overall company goals and mission and that that direction and mission should should dictate even the smallest aspects of the user experience. Mm. Such incredible pieces of advice that are based on your experience, Um, you know, touching on the different ways that people might ask for something, something simple like volume, Mm -hmm. and a really strong focus on the user. And someone else that I interviewed recently for this series, it was Kerry Roberts, also made mm-hmm. the point that you've just made that that whatever the interface is, it has to fit in with the brand. It can't yes. be, you know, so different or sound different or, you know, and respond in a way that people think, hmm, that's not how Pandora's brand would respond. That that sounds exactly. unfamiliar to me. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of your reading materials or videos, um, and even your own writings, Ananya. Is there anything that you'd like to share with with listeners that will help them along along their uh, journey in their work? Google has some really good design principles around um, managing conversations, and I think that's that's good reading material. Is that available online? Is that is available online? Actually, this is a great question, and I haven't. I have to say that. Apart from a couple of publications, nothing is coming to mind right now. Um, and that's absolutely fine. What we can do is touch base later. Yeah, um, yeah, I can send a list of. Uh, well, we'll put them in the show notes. Yeah. Materials. Yep. And my last question, Ananya, is I'm wondering what's what's next for Pandora's voice mode, for example, in 2021, or is it top secret company information? Uh, I can tell you that. We're still working really hard to improve product qualities, and these will be incremental in nature and might not be super noticeable for everyone, but uh, a, a lot of 
foundational work to make sure that it works fast, it's reliable, and we are providing a delightful experience every time. So efforts focused on product quality itself, but also working on these really innovative use cases for voice, especially that users will be so thrilled with when they when they unlock the full potential of Pandora's catalog through their voice. Uh, so not just music, but also spoken word and all of the new content that comes in the Pandora um, experience will be discoverable through voice. And we're working on new ways and new opportunities to get that into the user's lives really seamlessly. Wow. So a lot more exciting things coming. Yeah, definitely. So good times ahead for Pandora subscribers mm -hmm. in the US. That sounds great. Well, it's been delightful speaking with you today and, and such an enormous amount of sharing and great value for anyone who's working in your industry. It's been a real pleasure and I've got no doubt we'll get some great feedback on this episode. Thank you, Sheila. I love talking about voice mode and the voice space. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening today. Remember, you can find all the information on how to become a certified voice interaction designer, along with show notes and more at our website, digitalassistant.academy. That's digitalassistant.academy. We encourage your feedback and questions, so be sure to get in touch by using the contact page at the Digital Assistant Academy's website. We'll include the link in the show notes. In our next episode, Hans Van Dam explores how conversational designers can write for listenability.